What happens to someone when reality is shattered? When the few beliefs you have are strewn, bloodied remnants of thoughts that reflect the memories of your wife and daughter. Michael Latore faces the ultimate tragedy of attempting to stop his bleeding heart to save his sanity. Women with lavender eyes reach out to heal him. Occult teachings provide tools to reassemble. A struggle ensues to hold a flicker of reason in a world currently rejecting sound science. The light of the moon will be his guide. Fog carries the light as the blackened streets puddle the fallen rain. The dark sky appears as a pinholed leathery fabric, embroidered with magnificent constellated beasts that roam its expanding cosmic pastures. A jungle, a pantheon igniting the night sky. They saw it like this, anyhow. Those before us, having mapped the skies, drawn with mythological beings, points in space to guide a ship lost at sea, or a hunter caught in life-threatening weather in frozen wilderness. Scorpio, Pisces, Libra, a belt made of stars. As valuable and as, and as practical as these shapes in the sky were to those out at sea and on the hunt, they were also much more than this. These lasting symbols portrayed the psychology of those people, leading them along their destinies, guiding them to their afterlives. Just off the pavement, captured by his headlights tunneling out from under the bridge, a family of deer slowly becomes consumed by the night as Michael's car moves past them. Whether on the surface of the bruised moon or in the restless and rain-dripping woods, there are figures everywhere. There's a lone cast shadow of a man exhaling a chilled, smoky trail while standing under a streetlight. Michael ignores him. Further off the road, a face protrudes through the mud along the bed of the river. Its features are stones for eyes, its mouth being nothing more than an exposed, bulky root. The bullet still lodged in Michael's ribs makes him nauseous, confronting also that his diet of Valium and Advil are probably no help, likely rotting his insides. He swallows them anyway. So the book starts out rather dark. <laughs> um, the premise is a man who... As I said in the intro, which is what's written on the synopsis in the back of the book. Michael lost his wife, Tara, and his daughter, Renee. And he was wounded in the midst of it. Um, it was a... They were pretty much collateral damage to a hit on a guy. And the Latore family, Michael's family was caught in the mix 
So Michael finds himself in a state of mental chaos. He was a teacher, was graduating or receiving his doctorate, his Ph.D. in psychology. He was a rather fundamentalist, um, materialist sort of guy. Um, Even though as broad as psychology is, he considered nothing outside the ordinary, anything when it came to the imagination, um, as being anything relevant or useful or having any real application to our lives. Um, His wife, Tara, could really be called a magician or a witch of sorts. She, that was all up her alley. Tarot, um, ceremonial magic, um, a real spiritual woman. And they just mixed. They mixed and I mean, the two personalities, him and her, it just worked out. That's uh, the yin to the yang, the opposite of track sort of thing. They had Renee, which was their daughter, and they were able to get past these certain things. And Michael continued with his perspective. She did hers, and they were able to function as a family and a happy family at that. However, having lost both of them, Michael lost the most real aspects of life at the same time. Beyond all the philosophies, the psychology, the facts and statistics and all of this, what he really, truly felt and believed in and what pushed him in life was his family, his wife, his daughter. And having lost them, so did he also lose the firmness beneath his feet, I'll say. And he finds himself in mental chaos. He doesn't know what's real. He doesn't know what's not real. It's existential crisis is what's going on. There are hallucinations, quote-unquote, and there are these women that show up at particular times um, throughout the story, confronting him. And they have beautiful, luminescent, lavender, violet eyes. And in the end, they're goddesses. That's how we can interpret them. And they are there to help him to present a different system to how he can move through the world to embrace a certain aspect of his mind slash soul slash imagination to get through this unbearable time. And you don't have to have actually lost someone to, you know, gunfire or car accident to have gone through certain things like this. It could be the ending of a relationship. Which is really in a, in the initial point of what got this story rolling for me. 
Um, and I just let it go. And it was rather subconscious. It was, uh, I still am breaking down the book after, after a while. Um, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, a lot of the writings like that, but this, this story, I still resonate with, I'm still learning. And I actually interpreted it, interpret it rather different now, which is kind of funny. Nonetheless, these women, these goddesses are constructs of his mind. You know, it's the uh, visualizing of something that comes from deep within your brain or imagination and can help you understand the world. That can be dressed up, personified information. And having lost his wife and daughter and having had a wife that was so much into these things, such as occult practices and this, it's, it's a way for him to reach out and connect with with her yeah there is a striving to somehow understand what happened and to maybe maintain a relationship with them even though they are dead and he knows they are dead it's not a complete denial or illusion he's going through it's wondering what methods can be used and utilized for a healthy mind and to move on through to something and essentially to quote uh, I guess this is a I heard it through Robert Anton Wilson but was it the master that turns the grass green you know meaning that how do you initiate yourself into having some co-creation in your life in your world, in your reality, you know, and that quote I just gave, the the master who turns the grass green, as interpreted through Robert Anton Wilson, he mentions the human nervous system, our senses, our um, inputs, our, how we've been programmed from being a child, all that, I mean, how we interpret the world, our perspective as well as our imagination and how we can empower ourselves to see the world differently, to approach it differently, to feel a sense of control of the things that we can control and also embrace all of what is out of our control, that paradox. And essentially, that is what the book is aiming at and I will give some spoilers here because shit maybe you'll never read it I don't know but so in the story Tara is still existing and we get to experience some of where she's at and you can call it what you want some sort of purgatory they talk it out a little bit, um, and uh, I try to ride the line of being as scientific as I can with it, as much as I can, but at some point, you know, I mean, I actually would just ruin the story if, you know, because at some point you can't really, if you're in a different realm, would you really be, would I be talking, would they be talking like this, would it be, you know, so... 
I uh, try to keep that in mind. Tried to keep that in mind. And, um, and her having already been dealing with these ideas while alive in this earthly realm helped her in her realm that she was in at the that she is in and um that plays a key role and she is doing her damnedest to help michael while he still is alive because she knows what has happened and she knows that he is in some sort of sort of chaos and however the way that she does you know it's um can only be so logical with the story but in it i tried uh to keep it as much that way as possible and her being a sort of magician or sorceress was able to do so she is hanging on to influence him in a way still beyond the earthly realm and his goal essentially is to reconnect with her however in order to do so he must become the master who turns the grass green he must imagine this enough to actually even be able to fantasize whether it's actually happening or not and him doing so as he works through throughout the story and these goddesses help guide him along as well as Tara is hanging out with these goddesses on the moon in some version of the moon if he can reach a point where he can imagine this to work towards it and I use the idea or the um, theory of quantum entanglement actually Uh, or if he is able to do that here in turn them being so connected which how you know two particles are connected forever and if one turns one way the other turns the other way it's that connection theory um that if one can do it the other one will also be able to spin that direction or even yes spin that direction and whether it's tara has who's already figured it out whether it's her that is the one that finally brings it around for him if she's the one that actually makes him spin that's what i wanted to do it was just the them you know that whole you lead i lead um, dancing and uh yeah i like talking about this story you know i don't ever get to fucking talk about it <laughs> so a few people read it and um 
the people that have enjoyed it, they've given me some feedback, but it's, and it was fun, but it's been, you know, only a handful and it's nice to, uh, I mean, you kind of do something and, and like I said, I interpret it different now also. It's not just the romance of it. To me, it, it it means a lot of things, really. But essentially, Michael needs to become the magician. He needs to become the co-creator, the master that turns the grass green, to understand it, to empower himself. And we can live through that in its own right. The way we, it's just a book about learning, really, and embracing. And that's why uh, I like that there's different interpretations of it. That Feth took anything away from what I like about the book, other than just me, the process of me going through it, is uh, it does go a bunch of, there's a bunch of layers to it that just sort of happened. I like to use the, relate it to one of, I mean, my foot fucking favorite movies masterpiece to me the fountain by darren aronofsky anyhow i guess i won't go into that you should watch that but uh, there's a lot of imagery in this book i spent a lot of time a lot of it just kind of happened which is pretty cool but to wrap it up it's it's a love story but it's pulling you down a rabbit hole and I try to do the best that I can and to use authentic language when a little dressed up at times. It's been a number of years. Would I change some things? Sure. I wish I'd have had a strong editor because the editor that I had was me. And it was uh, eventually I had two editions of the book and uh, I just I was exhausted. I just was like, this is it. This is all I could do. This is it. Um, and I'm taking, I've gotten to know some editors. I'm actually taking editing classes and yeah, I would change quite a bit about that stuff in the book. However, I think the ideas still carry the weight. Um, the story itself can still there, you know, I think it works for the most part, hopefully. And I hope this entices you a bit to read it. Uh, even if it's just by supporting, because it supports me in a way. I mean, she it. Um, but I think you could gain something from the book, too. I mean, I, I did. I'm still gaining stuff from it. So essentially, that's all you can really do is do something. And if you end up sharing it with the world, hope that someone else interprets it in a way, but doesn't catch her in the rye of that shit and go out and kill somebody. <laughs> Uh, well, shit, what am I at, like 22 minutes? Yeah, I can wrap it up there. I don't want to, you know, the writing itself is supposed to speak, and uh, I just kind of wanted to, maybe, hey, um, you'll go out, you can get it off, um, you can get it really anywhere online. I mean, Amazon, I guess, is it's, what helps get it through Amazon, uh, is that you can actually give a rating, but I don't fucking like Amazon, uh. I don't. So 
you can find it other places. I, it's a self-published book. I did it on lulu.com, but you do have to create an account. Um, you can get it from Barnes & Noble. Um, I think maybe you could maybe get it on Abe's Books, which is actually more independent. And so is was it Alibris? Yeah, Alibris. Um, but get it however. I did have one instance of a girl telling me that she tried to order one and it never came in, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, I don't, I hope that never happens again. Unless, I mean, I assume that if you get it from a retailer that they'll just be like, oh, well, well, they gave your money back. So I probably couldn't have even, shouldn't have mentioned that or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, remember, I got a Kofi. Um, account now or you could make some donations for the show or if you just get the book just get the book whatever and you know give some feedback yeah i mean if you hate it you know don't roast me or anything um but anyhow i'm gonna end this maybe with a song i don't know what song i'll put it in the show notes though but take care Taking from space, bowing from time, living cute, forgetting some time, making mistakes, chasing the sun, asking the crystal. Setting the pace that brings you down, thinking illusion can figure it out. Taking a break, not making a sound, seeking.
Oh, oh, oh.